0: Around the boards it goes. Brodzinski rags with the puck into the slot. Brodzinski in his backhand. Scores! Johnny Brodzinski, first
1: NHL goal. Top shelf.
0: You're listening to All the Kings Men, the official podcast of the Los Angeles Kings.
1: Kemper is at the bench. Brown's in the corner. Dustin Brown still with the puck. Cycles it back down low. Down. He's centering. Pass. Score! To Kings lead one nothing. Now, here's your host, Jesse Cohen. Welcome back, Kings fans. My name is Jesse Cohen. This is All the Kings Men. We're going to have a full table of podcast episodes to get you through this long Thanksgiving weekend, Kings fans. So if you haven't already subscribed... There's no time like the present. You can subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify Premium, you know the list, any place you can find podcasts. Subscription links and recent episodes can be found at lakings.com slash podcast. Today we've got a conversation I had with Alex Dono from the Alex Dono Show out in Miami. He's going to talk about what Kings fans can expect from the newly acquired Yuzi and I'd hope to get this out to you sooner, but it just didn't happen. Then we have another 10-game update with uh, your friend and mine, Jay Flats. We've got the Winnipeg Jets coming to Staples Center tonight. I'll be talking to my dad tomorrow for a Thanksgiving episode. Then, of course, we've got two games against Pacific Division rivals this weekend. It's just a ton of stuff to talk about this week. So as they say in hockey, let's do that hockey. Joining me now, host of the Alex Dono Show on WQAM, Alex Dono. How are you doing today,
0: Alex? I'm doing great, Jesse. Thanks so much for having me, man.
1: My pleasure. Uh, so Kings fans are familiar by this point that Michael Camilleri was traded to the Edmonton Oilers for UC Okanen. He's not exactly a stranger in the NHL. He's played over 900 games, but uh, he spent most of his career in the Eastern Conference, and he spent the last three seasons in Florida. So you do the uh, the Florida Panthers uh, studio show, so I'm very curious to know what your impressions of UC Okanen were over the last three seasons.
0: You, know, you see and he's uh, he's a guy who really fits in well very versatile can play with a number of different teammates and you know for for lack of a better phrase he really is a great teammate i think that's one of the reasons why he was very well liked down here in florida uh, i can remember some great anecdotes from when he first arrived with the panthers uh, back in 2014 he very quickly became a mentor for alexander barkov who was at the time a very young player in the NHL they both share their Finnish heritage and he really became kind of a mentor and somebody who uh, who really took Barkov under his wing and I think helped his development and then you know as far as on the ice goes uh he had a particularly strong season uh you know the last time the Panthers made the playoffs back in 2015-2016 had 18 goals that year and really thrived on the Panthers second line with Vincent Trocheck and Riley Smith so He's been very capable in a Panthers uniform. He's, you know, not necessarily the most aggressive, assertive player in the world. I think sometimes he can, you know, almost look, uh, you know, for, for lack of a better term, maybe a little bit lost on the ice, but then you never know when UC Okanen's going to turn it on in certain games. Uh, you know, so I, I, I can understand why he's, you know, not viewed as, uh, as a standout player by many organizations, but I think his versatility and, uh, and his ability to really be kind of a leader of men in the locker room is something that's, you know, had him on a lot of teams radars over the years.
1: We've heard him described as a Swiss army knife. Um, I'm going to confess, I didn't realize that this would be his, uh, fifth team, I believe at this point, if not sixth. Um, in my mind, he was always on Dallas. I don't know why I, that's where I placed him <laughs> and, and then kept him there on, on my, in my, uh, you know, my brain, but, um, but, uh, you know, he seems to have these seasons where he puts up a, a solid n- bunch of numbers and, you know, is well into the plus column and the plus minus. And then he'll follow it up with a season, you know, where lower numbers and maybe, you know, he's plus 25 one year and minus 15 the other year. But I'm looking at his advanced stats, and he seems to be defensively responsible, and that jives with sort of where I had him in my head. Uh, do you think at this point in his career – um, he's better suited to a bottom six or more
0: of a middle six type role? I, I think probably a bottom six at this point, because uh, it, it, really over the last couple of years, uh, I don't know if it's the age catching up with him or what, but, you know, I, I think at this point, maybe he's he's more value as a teammate than he is uh, as a guy who's really going to put up big assists and goal numbers.
1: That's, see, that sounds like code to me, and that terrifies me. <laughs> 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 um, <laughs> I know I know nobody ever likes to come out and say, you know, a specific player may be on the wrong side of uh, 30 or maybe, you know, I read a few reviews of his game that says the speed isn't there anymore. Um, But I mean, right. Yeah, I
0: I think I think that's an even better way to put it. I I think to say that the speed is not there. That's probably the biggest difference in UC Jokinen's game from, you know, 2015. than you know, from 2017, 18 is he's not he's not the fast player he was when he's 31, now that he's 34.
1: The Kings have a record the last three or four years of bringing in uh, veteran players, and it doesn't necessarily always work out the way they want, whether it's Michael Camilleri, Jerome McGinley, Teddy Purcell, Vincent LeCavalier. Um, Now, they're not going to be relying on Jokinen. it looks like, for this kind of offense that they turn to some of those players for. But you seem to think that he's... I mean, he's still capable of playing an NHL shift, right?
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. And, and you're going to you're going to have some games where you're going to get maybe two assists and a goal from Jokinen, and, and, and then a game where he drifts off a little bit into space. But I think there are going to be some games when you're thinking, "Man, I'm really glad he's an LA King right now."
1: Well, he already got his first assist. It was a nice pass to Dowdy on the power play. Um, but I mean, I I I don't know what the Kings official plans are as far as fitting him in the lineup i know in my head i'm dreaming of a of a line with him and nick shore and trevor lewis as a sort of shut down third you know defensive unit um to stop some of the bleeding that they're having on the uh on the on the shot totals um let's talk more about his role in the in the locker room um he's obviously played over 900 games he is a foreign player but it, he seems to have acclimated fully to the North American game at this point. Yeah.
0: Oh yeah. No question about that. No question about that. And you know, he, his first year as a Panther uh, coincided with the first year of new ownership, the current ownership group with Vincent Viola and Doug Sifu, you did have the carryover with, you know, Dale Talon had been brought in by the previous regime and they've kept him around. But when the new ownership group came in, they, their, their first instinct was we want to try and bring in players from great cultures and from championship cultures. They had, you know, brought in Willie Mitchell and they made him their captain immediately. They brought in UC Jokinen from the Pittsburgh Penguins. You you know, really thrived on the line that he played in in Pittsburgh. So they're thinking if we can bring in, you know, some elder statesman type of guys who have been on great teams, great cultures and championship cultures, they can really come on and mentor the young guys. And I think, uh, that, that was a pretty decent success with UC Yoken and not so much with a guy like Willie Mitchell, because he struggled so much with injuries at the tail end of his career when he came in. But, you know, since UC was uh pretty darn valuable, especially his first two years in a Panthers uniform, uh, I think he's, you know, one of the guys who, you know, he wore an A on the Jersey. He, you know, really uh, was somebody who was a positive influence in that locker room, because when he first came into Florida, you know, the the lineup was really essentially full of kids. I mean, I mean, back then, you know, Alexander Barkov was very green. Aaron Ekblad had just been drafted. Jonathan Huberto was heading into his second or third season at a time. You know, Vincent Trocek was not even a regular player at that point with the Panthers. So, you know, uh, you know obviously Roberto Luongo was back in the mix as well. That was another locker room presence with uh, with a veteran. But I, I think UC Okanen was very valuable for that. And, and he's not the type of player that has to be a mentor necessarily. Uh, I think the term that you you're, you used as Swiss Army knife is a, a pretty good way to describe him, both on the ice and off the ice. You know, this is a player who's never going to cause problems in the locker room. He's you know not going to be an overbearing personality. I, I could see him pretty much fitting in with any group, and that's probably no coincidence why he's. You know been on so many teams he's probably used to to changing locker rooms and changing scenery at this point
1: the yeah, florida panthers uh, currently second to last place in the eastern conference seven nine and two obviously it's early these are small sample sizes but do you think there's a specific area in which the panthers miss him the most
0: oh man it's fun you know Uh, they're still really trying to find stability outside the top line. So I I would say they miss him in the sense that, you know, I look at uh, kind of the second and third lines right now where you've got young wingers like, like uh, Dryden Hunt and Jamie McGinn that are really trying to find their way. I I think that they do miss him because outside of that top line with the Panthers, where they've had solid play uh, so far all season long from, Alexander Barkov, Jonathan Huberto, and Evgeny Dadanov in the top line. I, I think that they could. It's not to say that they won't be better in the long term, because I know that uh, Dale Talon wanted to give shots to some younger guys, but they're still really feeling things out. And and to have a guy like U.C. Okunin winging one of those second or third lines, I, I do think this team would probably be a game or two better in the win column than they are now.
1: Well, Alex, we wish you the best of luck. I want to thank you for joining me. Of course. And uh, I urge all Kings fans to go and take in a Panthers game if they're ever in South Florida. All right, thanks very much, Alex. We'll talk to you soon. You got it, man. Another 10 games have gone by, and so I am joined by in-house arena for the LA Kings at Staples Center. Jay Flats, how are you doing today, Jay?
2: I'm great, Cohen. How are you?
1: I'm good. Uh, So we've played 21 games, not 20, but uh, back-to-back situations sort of pushed us back a bit. Kings still technically in first place in the Pacific Division, but everybody behind them has fewer games played, so that could change over the next uh, handful of days. But the stat that gets thrown around all the time is that somewhere in the neighborhood of 80% of teams that are in a playoff spot by the time Thanksgiving rolls around will finish the season in a playoff spot. Now Thanksgiving is days away. Actually, it's tomorrow. (laughs) Um, So what do you say, Jay? Do the Kings make the playoffs?
2: Uh that stat you just gave has now quickly become my favorite stat. Yes. <laughs> let's roll with let's roll with that. Start the playoffs right after Thanksgiving. Let's go. Perfect. <laughs> um, yeah, I know uh some fans are quickly hitting the panic button, losing five or six. But if you told everybody at the start of the season after twenty one games the Kings would be in first place, everyone would take that. For sure. It's uh there's a lot of positive things. Obviously, the last few games, they've been slipping, you know, letting scoring happen really early. But you've got a lot of positive things to look at at this point in the season, especially compared to last year. Yeah. Kopitar is plus 15 points from where he was last season. That's the guy that we need mm-hmm. week in and week out. You know, He's got 23 points. Brown is plus 10 from last season. Uh, Dowdy's plus 5. Muzzin's plus 9. Foley and Pearson are right about where they are. They're usually consistent about this point of the year, you know, twelve to fifteen points. Martinez is down. He's down uh eight points from last year at this point, but he's tied with block shots, so you know he's giving it all every night. He's got that level of compete up high. He's yeah, tied and- with sixty two block shots on the year.
1: And and last year I feel like he maybe had to had to carry more of a load than than maybe he should be asked to. Between right. the injuries and you know, Muzzin had sort of a a struggle last year. I mean, they both sort of did, but but Martinez definitely picked up his slack. But but in, in an ideal situation, Martinez maybe doesn't have to be your your second best defenseman, right?
2: Yeah, I mean, you're you're you, you want to lean on Dowdy and Muzzin; those are your top mm-hmm. two guys, and they're they're both playing consistent games right now it's uh you know sometimes it's that youth on the blue line to see how the development of Forbert's going to come along and some of the younger guys that have made their way into the lineup this year
1: now uh talking about comparisons to this year and last year how is jonathan quick 21 games in compared to how he was last year 21 games well i mean uh (laughs) let's
2: see he only made one appearance last year So this year he's got two shutouts, which is way better than yeah. he was at the point last year. <laughs> That's great. Uh, but I, I just saw an interesting stat. Uh, in his career, he's already faced over 13,000 shots in the net. So everybody Oof. give him a break. Give him wow. a break. That's a lot of shots to take over your career. There is a lot 000. of shots. Yeah. And he's got you know 44 shutouts in his career. So if you're going to slump, slump now. Get it over with. Regroup. Get everybody back on the same page. Make a good drive through to New Year's Eve. Have a good, strong December.
1: And uh, any – I mean, they play well, – I think they play Arizona this week, right? Or or do I have that totally wrong? Hold on, let me look up the yeah, schedule. Yeah, they've got
2: I... Arizona Friday. <laughs> okay, so there you Hannah, go. That, yeah. So two but specific got to be Division games. The... Yeah, the Division games are going to be huge at this point. Mm-hmm. I know that the end of the season will be stacked with Division games. Yeah. But right now, as you're as you're jostling for position in the standings, you've got a team coming up like Arizona. They've won three straight. They've got a lot of youth on their team, and they're only three points behind the Oilers right now.
1: Yeah, that kid Clayton Keller. Uh, early in the season, when Adrian Kempe was putting up, you know, a bunch of points, and there was, you know, we were all sort of focusing on whether or not he technically still qualifies as a rookie. You know, every day I was sort of looking at the rookie scoring race, and I kept saying to myself, "Who is this Clayton Caller kid? Um, he plays for the." They're play- giving him.
2: They're giving him space out there to play. and yeah, figure really out his are. game.
1: And there was a, an article recently, you know, on the uh, the uh, the Athletic interviewing a bunch of GMs that passed on him, saying, you know, basically, what were you thinking? Uh, <laughs> none, none of them had a really great answer. The kid seems to be real good.
2: Yeah, I mean, no, obviously nobody has a crystal ball, but they they see something with him in Arizona and he's got a great opportunity to make a name for himself. Mhm.
1: He's a little bit undersized though, 5'10, 168.
2: Hey, what's wrong with 5'10, 168?
1: You know, in in a in a, <laughs> a creative world, nothing, <laughs> that's your sweet spot. But uh when you're, you know, yes. when you've got Christian Foley chasing you down all night, not a oh, lot, yeah. Not not a lot of guys. I mean, unless he's going to be cut from the from the Theo Fleury or uh, Martin Saint Louis mold, um, I'd be curious to see what his career uh, turns into. But um, I do
2: love a good underdog story, though. I love it when you you look at stories like I'm not a Tom Brady fan, but how many people passed on Tom Brady? Sure. I love a good deep in the draft, sometimes undrafted players that that you know, that work really hard on their game, both sides of the ice, and then they they have a chance to make an impact in their first season. And there's a bunch of young guys across the league and the Kings have a bunch of young guys making their impact too.
1: Yeah, what do they have like uh five rookies scoring their first goals, first career goals this season,
2: yeah. I think? Yeah, Ayafalo, McDermott, Fantenberg, Amadio, and then Brad the other night. That's a lot of youth if you've got five guys scoring their first NHL goals in the first 20 games.
1: Yeah. No, it's uh, – and I follow to to your point earlier about an undrafted guy. Um, you know, he comes in and he, he takes a spot on the top line. Talk about your underdog stories.
2: Yeah, I'm waiting for him to break out. I'm waiting for him to break out. Kopitar and Brown have been able to put together some good tallies on the score sheet so far. But it seems like Iaya I follows missed out on a large percentage of the points that are being scored. He's up on that first line, but he's not getting the points.
1: Yeah, it's always curious to me. There's some. There's some guys. Oops, sorry. Um. There's some guys that have, you know, a nose for the puck. If it, you know, like a guy like Robitaille, you know, in his career, just always was there at the right spot at the right time. Knew how to get the puck in. You know, it was almost like sixth sense or whatever. Whereas a guy like I follow always seems to be in the right place to make a play to keep the, the rest of the play alive for somebody else to score. But yeah, he right. he's, and, and I don't know if that's a, I don't know if that's a skill that you're born with or you can learn, but yeah, certainly at some point you'd hope that he's rewarded um, with a bunch of, I feel like Tanner Pearson is having a similar season, although he's got a, a handful more points than I follow does, but, but both of them have been been putting the work in, making sure their line mates collect the points. And, and yeah, I, I agree with you. I think I fall is due for for a hot streak.
2: Do you ever feel that some players are are a little too quick? They've got to know when to dial it back as far as moving the puck and moving the play down the ice. Sometimes I feel like uh, some of the younger guys are too quick. They got to figure out the system.
1: Yeah, you know what's funny? Everybody talks about how much faster the game is getting, and you know, following the, the lockout in 2005, they took the red line out for the purpose of two line passes. And I keep referencing that, but then I have to remind myself that was 12 years ago, and most of the guys on this team haven't been in the league for 12 years, so it really probably doesn't matter to them. Um, but yeah, I can, see, I can see needing to mix and match speed on a line um, mattering, but... The one thing I really admire about guys like follow and and Pearson is, and, and I was seeing it for a bit from Kempe, um, there'll be that moment where the puck is sort of in no man's land, you know, in the offensive zone. It's gotten away from somebody. It's sort of hanging out there in open ice. And as a line, you have a choice. Do you start shifting back to cover on defense? Do you go for a change? Or do you press the attack? And it's difficult to know what the right move to do is. And if you press the attack and you, you know, come up short, then, you know, the other team is past you on a, on an odd man rush. You know, if you go for a bad change, the other team has a, you know, huge advantage. They've got wide open ice. Um, but a guy like I follow a guy like Pearson, because they have that speed and because they know how to use that open ice, just their first step, their, their first jump on the play can sort of lead the rest of the guys on the ice towards a decision, right? Can sort of them okay the play is still alive and and things like that I think are contagious so whether or not they're too fast or whether or not they're you know they wind up in the zone alone because I think what you're referring to we see I follow a lot right in the offensive zone <laughs> with nobody to pass to um but I'll take I'll take those turnovers that he creates over the moments where maybe he's he's too fast almost.
2: Yeah, I think those decision making moments, for me, over the past several years working for the Kings and watching them when they're on the road, mm-hmm. I feel like I feel like I learn a lot from Jim Fox. He really knows how to break down those plays when they're trying to figure out decision making, whether it's line changing, moving forward, risk versus reward. Those are the things I've learned from Foxy as he breaks down those plays, what that last second decision making can do in a positive way or leaving you with that odd man rush against you as you're backing up
1: yeah jim fox uh really really good hockey player <laughs> i don't think
2: we all oh yeah uh
1: give him the uh the proper respect when it comes to to being like we all sing his praises as a broadcaster and he's a phenomenal broadcaster but i think he's still like top 10 um all-time points in a king's jersey um
2: yeah he's right there on 10 number 10
1: yeah i mean jim fox was was Real good. <laughs> he definitely knows the sport. We're gonna. <clears throat> my father and I are gonna talk a bit about him later this week because, like I said, he's yeah, like, a real strong hockey player.
2: I, I find that you learn a lot if you just consistently watch the condensed game coverage that they put on the Kings app. Oh, that's interesting. That's where I. That's where I. I will just watch the condensed versions, and I'll hear Faust call the action, and then I love replaying. Foxy's analysis. I'll listen to it once or twice, three times maybe, just the condensed game versions with my headphones as I go to sleep, so that it's cemented in my brain.
1: <laughs> Is that the uh, the Vixlet app, the the Kings fan app?
2: Uh, I just go with the NHL app. And, oh, okay. Uh, the, the Vixlet thing, they have great content on there as well, but the NHL app for the Kings page, How they long? usually throw in they throw in that condensed version. Not too long after the game's over.
1: How long is the condensed
2: version? Sometimes they're three minutes, four minutes, as much as eight minutes.
1: Okay, that's great. You
2: can get get the majority of your game in for that short amount of time, and you get to see, you know, obviously the highlights for both sides of the ice both teams. I watch those condensed versions.
1: Well, Lord knows I could use some of Jim Fox's wisdom. I'm in a fantasy league with my friends, and this Saturday, (laughs) I... uh... I, it's a daily fantasy thing, so I flooded my team with Tampa Bay Lightning players because they were playing the Islanders, and I thought, well, this is a no, this is a no brainer. I'll take the uh, Lightning over the Islanders. I got my head caved in and finished last. Everybody, Oof. everybody made fun of me. So, what can you tell me about uh, the coming fantasy week, Jay?
2: Well, I I have been telling people the exact same thing.
0: You need to load <laughs> up
2: on anybody from Tampa, and then yeah. they roll in the Islanders, and and if you're in a daily game, daily league, that, that hurts you a lot. Yeah. But I, I'm sticking with it. My my flat fantasy focus, the first thing I want to talk about is drastic moves. Okay. You're, if you're in a league where your your defense is solid, your goaltending is decent, but you just keep coming up short on points, I know we're only a quarter of the way through the season, but you got to make some drastic moves. Do whatever you can to get scoring. Go after those guys on the top lines from Tampa and St. Louis. The Bulls' top line has 88 points in 20 games. Oh, wow, that's ridiculous. What, whatever you have to do to get Stamkos, Kucherov, Nemetsikov, trade multiple players if you have to. St. Louis is the same thing. Tarasenko, Shen, Schwartz, 86 points. Ugh. They only have two points less than that than that Lightning top line. 86 points. Each of those players on that top line in St. Louis has a plus 18 or plus 19 right now. And if you're in Yahoo, Schwartz is only being used in 55% of the leagues.
1: Those are the things that always blow my mind. Uh, On that Daily Fantasy thing, I picked Steven Stamko's and though i was ridiculed um, mercilessly and deservedly so i'm terrible at fantasy sports <laughs> but he was only in 50% of the leagues and i thought he's steven friggin' stamkos i believe he still leads the league in points how is he not in I don't. how is he not in every <laughs> on every team i don't get it
2: i don't i don't know i looked at johnny Brzezinski, who's in 98% and somehow Damkos is not in a hundred. That I don't understand. Yeah, Maybe people just forgot about him. Maybe they thought he's not going to be healthy enough to come back and make an impact. But after twenty games, how do you not at least go after that guy somehow in fantasy leagues? I don't get that at all. Yeah,
1: that's
2: it, well. What it says to fighting. me is that
1: there's something about fantasy sports that I fundamentally don't understand, and my yeah, record I my record running, backs it up. So
2: I keep running into fans that. Stock load their team with their own favorite team. Yeah. That doesn't work. No. It doesn't work in any sport. No, it doesn't. It doesn't work in any sport. But I do I do have a second topic here called Call Me Crazy.
1: All right. Jay, you're crazy. Tell,
2: thank you for calling me crazy. <laughs> My pleasure. I'm going to tell you what you don't want to hear after 20 games.
1: Uh-oh. This is what you
2: don't want to hear in your fantasy league. Okay. Trade, Connor. McDavid. Interesting. If there's Euler fans listening, I know there's 12.5 million reasons you shouldn't, but I think he is overvalued. And I, I, you see this in sports a lot. Huge contract next year, that the stats drop. I think you should trade him for whatever you can get. Throw him out in the market. See what. Maybe you can get two, three players. Who knows? People might still be high on him. Think he'll have a good turnaround. Get rid of him. Dump him. Wow. Trade Connor McDavid. Second trade. Trade Sid the Kid. <laughs> Jay, you're crazy. <laughs> I'm crazy. He's only got 16 points right now. Most people in their NHL drafts picked him number two mm-hmm. behind McDavid. But put him out there. See if you can land a Voracek or a Wheeler or Besser or pick up Keller from Arizona. If you want points, you want younger guys that are that are hungrier. Trade Sid the Kid. And I know I said don't stock load your team with your favorite team. <laughs> yeah. Pick up, <laughs> but... pick up Adrian Kempe.
1: Interesting.
2: He's only got 13 points right now, but I have a good feeling that Pearson Toffoli Kempe is going to be a headline in the next couple of weeks. He's got a plus 12 rating right now, and he's only in 26% of Yahoo leagues. That's bonkers. 26%. So drop your taves and your canes and pick up your tempe.
1: I'm looking at the league leaders in scoring right now. And uh, man, Stamkos, obviously, we knew about Kucherov. <laughs> we knew about Goudreau, I find a bit surprising. Uh, then 13th,
2: 13th.
1: Braden Shen comes in at fourth. That's that top line. That's mildly upsetting, though, as a Kings fan. <laughs>
2: I know. You send him over to the East, and a few years later, he's back in the West, and now we're staring at him.
1: Yeah, yeah. To have uh, Shen in St. Louis and Jones up in San Jose. and uh, Yeah, that hurts and my feelings. Clock, I'm not a fan of that. 10 o'clock
2: and almost 20 minutes of ice time.
1: Yeah, that's... Uh,
2: 1940. That's yeah, I mean, you, you you never know along the way. I also felt poorly when we got rid of Wayne Simmons. I thought that mm-hmm. Wayne was a guy we should have kept. But, I mean, he's not off to a great start right now, but I still think he's a solid guy.
1: He, no, I mean, he's a great player. There's uh, there's no question. But, hey, you know what? I'll take the two Stanley Cups. <laughs> Jay, I want to thank, uh, thank you for joining me, as always. Ooh,
2: two more things. Oh, yeah, sure, sneaky, sorry. Sneaky good pickups right now. Okay. Sven Berchi.
1: From Vancouver, uh, Vancouver yeah.
2: Oh, yeah. He's got eight points, eight assists, and... This guy is sneaky. I like him. He's playing with Horvat and Besser. The Canucks are good on the road this year, surprisingly, 7-3. They've got five games left on this six-game road trip they're on right now, and only 13% of fantasy owners have Sven Berkey. Get him. I like it. And then no, one, no one's talking about Brian Gibbons in New Jersey. <laughs> what no about
1: Brian I've never heard of him. What do we need to know about He's- him?
2: He leaves the team with nine goals right now. He's got nine goals. He's the leading goal scorer in New Jersey, mm-hmm. and somehow only only thirteen percent of Yahoo leagues haven't picked up. Those are my sneaker picks: Sven Berchi, Brian Gibbons. Go out and get them. They're available everywhere. Fire sale.
1: I am uh, I am looking at Mister Gibbons' career right now. Uh, four years at, <laughs> four years at Boston College, three years in the AHL, forty one games with Pittsburgh. Uh, 25 games with Columbus, and then back to the AHL, and then yeah, you're you're absolutely right. He's leading the leading the Devils. And go, well, how is how are they, yeah. there's some teams that I don't quite understand how they're doing it. New Jersey's one of them.
2: I love it. I love it. I anytime you get to see a team that you have taken out in the Stanley Cup come back and contend, I'd love to see those guys make a run again.
1: Mm. Oh my goodness, though, Jay Flats, you're not gonna like me when I point this out. Uh oh, Brian Gibbons, five foot eight, one seventy five.
2: Ooh, that guy's tall. <laughs> but uh, but he's having himself a year. Yeah.
1: you know the, the league's getting faster and a little bit smaller, maybe. So hopefully hopefully these guys have a, a spot for them in the league.
2: Yeah, there's there's a handful of teams that you know, like Edmonton and Montreal, touted to go deep in their seasons, and they've both come out very shaky. Mm-hmm. And then you have teams. New Jersey, for example. And then, obviously, we we can't skip over the 8-1 and one home record of the Vegas Golden Knights.
1: Yeah, I'm on the record this week as saying I'm convinced they're cheating somehow.
2: It's it's crazy. Yeah. I mean, that city has rallied around the Knights so much that they forgot how horrible that mascot looks. <laughs> <laughs> they, just, they just went right by it. Yeah.
1: I'm not a huge fan of Chance, the, the Gila monster. Uh, that's what he is, right, I think? Um, I feel
2: it's the, it's the only scratch on their season so far. I, I, it weirded me out.
1: But but I have to say, in defense of Chance, uh, the Gila monster, or, or whatever he is, <laughs> um, it's, it's real rare that you find a mascot that is well that is well executed from conception to finished product. Bailey's a great one. Um, yeah. Wildwing for all of his, um, you know, for all of his missteps in the past um, is, is perfect for the team. But, you know, for every Bailey, you've got a Spartacat in Ottawa or, uh, or, <laughs> or, or, uh, you know, a UP in Montreal, which I get, he came from the Expos and didn't have a home. So the Canadians picked him up, but, you know, or or, right. or or I forget the name of the polar bear in Toronto, but you say, why why is the Toronto Maple Leafs mascot a polar bear?
2: Like I don't, yeah, <laughs> they don't have they don't have polarized cap conditions up there. No,
1: no, and they're the maple leaves. Like I don't, I don't know, be a stack of pancakes well, Stanford, or something. But
2: <laughs> Stanford has the tree, so I guess the leaves couldn't go with the tree. I guess,
1: <laughs> I guess not. That's right. Uh, but yeah, but uh, chance. Uh, the kids seem to like him, and I, I guess that's what it's all about.
2: <laughs> well, here, here, here's a good matchup tonight, right? Center, right. center, King, Kings, Jets. The Jets are playing very well right now.
1: Yeah, I mean, man, everybody's playing well right now. It's annoying.
2: <laughs> well, at least, it, it, at least, uh, the, the, the Kings got out to a hot start, and there's no reason to do like the Blue Shield of California panic button giveaway or anything.
1: Yeah, you'd hope not. I mean, obviously, you know, 4-6-1, and one, I think, in the last 10 or oh, 3-6-1. and one, Geez, 3-6-1 um, and one in the last 10 is not great, but you have to trust that this team has the talent and the experience. And uh, and like you said earlier, you get this little slump out of the way and you get right back to winning games. And, you know, hopefully they haven't uh, given up too much of that, that division lead.
2: Well, I will put together a I Feel Good James Brown video after tonight.
1: I'm looking forward to it,
2: Jay.